Before we get started, this episode of the Food Grower Podcast is sponsored by Natural Grower. Natural Grower's award-winning liquid fertilizer, plant feed, and soil conditioner is made entirely from maize. It's naturally rich in nitrogen, potash, phosphate, and other trace elements that plants and vegetables love. And it's approved by the Soil Association, Vegan Society, and Biodynamic Association. The concentrated natural fertilizer can be poured around the base of plants, whilst the plant feed and soil conditioner can be mixed into the soil or used as a mulch on the surface as a long-term, slow-release fertilizer on all outdoor and indoor plants. Both Jack and I have been using the natural grower products this year and have seen amazing results, and we have a fantastic 15% off the entire natural grower range for you. Simply go to naturalgrower.co.uk and enter foodgrower15 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Direct Plants Limited, and specifically their amazing range of polytunnels. We use these strong and affordable tunnels on both Jack's Patch and Fanfield Farm, and we love them. Direct Plants manufacture the tunnels themselves so that you can buy your polytunnel direct from the manufacturer, and not just any manufacturer, but from growers too, so that they really understand what you need. These traditional high-quality polytunnels are available in a range of sizes to fit your growing needs, and they're manufactured here in the UK in Norfolk. We're delighted to bring you a brilliant 10% off the entire range at directplants.co.uk. Simply head over there and use the code FOODGROWER at checkout. That's FOODGROWER, all one word, no spaces, at directplants.co.uk. Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world. From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers. We hope that this podcast will inspire you to either start growing your own food or to help develop your existing food growing empire. I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm. I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. And I'm Andy from Urban Herbs. Then in today's episode, Myself and Jack are actually joined by somebody that I'm really good friends with on Instagram. So I'm going to have to work really hard to pretend that I don't know the person I'm talking to today so that you guys can get to know our guest today. We're joined by Shannon, who runs a really, really amazing Instagram account that a lot of you will already follow called Diary of a Lady Gardener. Shannon, how's your week going? Hello. Um, Yeah, it's been a weird week, you know, starting with the bank holiday Monday. But um, my working week isn't as it used to be. So Monday was actually my first day of proper work for over a week. Um, and everyone else is like, oh, have you had a nice relaxing day? And I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling quite stressed. But, you know, it's go- it's going. <laughs> it's nice yeah, when well- you get to the point of like not knowing what day of the week it is. Then you're kind of on the right road to uh, realising you've you've made it. But you've gone from like nine to five to working 24-7 like us as well. So welcome yeah. to the club. <laughs> Thank you. Well, do you know what? It's a, ni- it's a nice change. It's a nice change. And my favourite thing is sometimes I'll finish a job at like, say, two, three in the morning and everyone's like, oh, what are you going to do now? Like, are you off to another job? And I'm like, do you know what? I think I'm going to go for a little nap and then I'll work again this <laughs> evening because I am knackered. <laughs> Yeah, this this all sounds terribly familiar. <laughs> terribly familiar. And just for anybody listening to this who wonders why we're all sounding disorientated, this is the kind of week here in the UK where we have a, a bank holiday. So um, Monday is kind of a day off for everybody that's got a job, a normal job. Um, and the rest of us don't know what day of the week it is. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I know that we've got you know so much to talk about. And uh, I just want to say as well, we absolutely love your account. Um, we were having a bit of a look at it earlier so thank you so much for sharing all that with everybody in general uh no worries do you know what it's my pleasure i um <laughs> i have the best time and all of it is purely just stuff that i would take photos of anyway and when i started my account it was purely i take too many photos and i just wanted to be able to see the progress of the allotment without having to scroll through a million photos and then who knew it was going to be uh, a lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it starts. You just, you document your journey and then you've created your own story, which is great. And, and that's what we like to do at the start of the podcast is we like, so there's going to be people that don't know who you are, Shannon. And we just like to go back to the start. Like what got you into growing and where did it start for you? Yeah. So um, I actually really like telling this story because I feel like it's not the traditional, my grandparents grew veggies when I was a kid. Um, So I didn't know anything about gardening until I was 21. And then for Christmas that year, um, well, a few months before, maybe like October, 
we'd been on a walk near the house that we lived in at the time um, and I'd seen a little field of allotments and quite a sarcastic person was walking past going, oh, imagine how wholesome it would be if we grew our own veggies and blah, blah, blah. And that genuinely was joking. And then um, I don't think it was ever spoken of again. And then that Christmas, I unwrapped a robotic hoover because I'm apparently very messy uh, and a bunch of allotment books and was equal measures like, that's a really thoughtful gift. Thank you. And what on earth am I going to do with an allotment? Like, <laughs> um, but my boyfriend at the time played a lot of golf and was desperate for me to find a hobby that I could do while he played golf. So I wasn't cross that he was always playing golf. Um, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So your allotment was your golf. It was. It was my golf. And you know what? It took up more of my time than it did of his time playing golf and probably no surprise to say we're not together anymore. <laughs> but now gardening's my like 24-7 and it's all I think about and it's all I talk about. So I suddenly understand the obsession with golf because I found my obsession. Definitely. I think it's something that when you're waking up in the morning, like, like all of us, what, what we always say, we're super passionate about what we do. And if you're waking up it and it's the first thought in your mind and it's like the last thought before you go to bed, you know, you're on the right path of, you're, you're doing something that you're meant to be doing. Um, we 100%. always say like a lot of passion and a little bit of delusion as well. You need a little <laughs> bit of that because ultimately we've all like pulled the trigger on something that's completely crazy out the norm. But I really feel that the way the world's going, like we need more nature. We need more good in the world. So uh, it really spurs me on. So yeah, congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so that was, I kind of got the allotment for Christmas, had no idea where, where to start, read the books that I had cover to cover. And I was definitely one of those people that was like, everyone's so obsessed with being outside and being in nature. And I was like, I like, I like going to the beach. I've always loved the sea, but I just wasn't a super outdoorsy type. And then um, I think very quickly, I kind of realised the magic of sowing a seed and growing your own food for the first time. Um, I think definitely sharing my journey and finding out that there was loads of other young people that were doing like a similar thing, um, especially because like it was only four, four and a half years ago. But I feel like it was still a time when people would laugh at you and ask you when you were retiring, if you told them that you were grow growing vegetables. And I remember everyone at work and all of my friends being like, you were what? You got what for Christmas? Mm. Um, and then you'd be like, oh, what are you up to at the weekend? And everyone's going out and going out for lunches and brunches and shopping. And I'm like, oh, I'm just down to the allotment to build some beds and go needing. <laughs> and everyone thought it was nonsense back then. Whereas now I feel like people at least appreciate it, even if they're not yet on board with it. People can kind of like see why younger people are getting into it. And it's not just something that you do when you're retired anymore. Wow, that is, and I think actually it's really worth highlighting, isn't it? That a real revolution has happened. That hearing Absolutely. you say that that's only four and a half years ago, that's incredible. And you know, this is something that actually you know was being laughed at four and a half years ago, and it's not anymore, is it? Because absolutely not. <laughs> without sort of um, without jumping ahead too much, this this journey has actually led you to give up your your what mean what we call a proper job and take a leap of faith to work in this incredible sector um what gave you that push that, that, um that? that's actually a really tricky question i don't know if i could pinpoint one specific thing um there was a lot there was a lot going on and i did i would say if to to put it into a moment um i did a kind of like business course that was aimed at people starting co-op businesses um, at this amazing place called Selgas Mill, which is about 40 minutes away from where I live. And it was uh, over the course of three months, they went through, it was almost like an accelerator, kind of like everything you need to know about starting a business. And there was lots of stuff that I knew already, lots of stuff that was new to me. Um, but the, the moment I decided to quit my job was I was sat there on... I think the second to last residential where we stayed overnight with the group of people that I'd met who were all really, really amazing. And I, my question of the evening was, how do you know when it's time to give up your job? 
and it was a probably a two-hour discussion and everyone was going look Shannon like if if you're not ready to quit your job now potentially you're just not the you're not the person to do that and that's absolutely fine but they were like all the indicators are pointing towards the you need to take the leap of faith to make this work or you need to decide that it's only ever going to be a hobby um obviously there was so much that was going on at the time which I'm sure we'll talk about later but there were so many things pushing me in that direction and with my nine to five job I was starting to have to say no to exciting opportunities because I'd already taken all of my holiday to do all of the other things so I was essentially just working 24 7 between working in like my gardening plethora of activity and my nine to five job which was quite consuming as well not just a nine to five so um I went to sleep that night and was like that is true like if I'm not going to do it now when am I going to do it and what people kept saying what at what point are you counting it as you've made enough of a success to then make it your full-time thing um and so the next day I decided that I was going to do it and I was going on holiday about four or five days later and I was like I'll do it when I get back from holiday so I've had a few days to think about it and then it was, I just couldn't sleep. It was like a burden hanging over me. And so I went into work the next day and was like, hello, I am handing you my notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people were like 50% surprised, 50% not at all surprised. Um, a lot of people said like it wasn't a shock, but it was a shock that it was quite so soon. Like we thought this would maybe be like six to 12 months down the line, but no regrets so far. Wow. I love the idea that you had, you actually did have a moment where it was like now or never. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking like personally, I don't think I'm a bit jealous because I don't think I ever had that <laughs> moment. I think I just accidentally kind of almost sleepwalked into it. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that you had that moment is really, really cool because, you know, mm-hmm. you actively took that step forward. Um, that's and it so- was it was that one day I was like, I know I'm not ready to do it now, but I want to know what are my key indicators for when. And then the next morning I was like, I am in that point now. (laughs) (laughs) There's almost like what it gave you um, a choice and life's Mm. about choices where you could go one way or the other, but that choice would have had a lot of regret if you went one way and didn't go the other. So like, even it like, I always say that if it doesn't work, you can go back, but you can't. Absolutely. you can't do it the other way. So I, I feel like I resonate with your story a lot, mainly because I was working as well, listening to podcasts, listening to like farming stuff and always thinking like, I'm kind of planning now in my head for when I'm going to do that. Um, and then I was missing going to the pub with my mates. Instead, I was shoveling manure with a head torch. On because I was like, <laughs> I get it in for tomorrow. I'm saying that for tomorrow. So yeah, it's like, if it's that much of a passion, you got to go for it. And I like lean out to anyone listening to this. If you're feeling the same, like make a calculated decision. But if the if the one's going to be an overwhelming regret, then just give it a go. And something that someone had said to me, actually, when I'd previously gone to leave a job, which sticks with me with everything. And I say it to everyone now is if you imagine yourself in a year today, what what are you going to regret a year from now? And so for me, it was like, am I going to have regret leaving my job to try something, whether it's been a success or a failure, or am I going to regret having stayed in that job and not ever taken the opportunity? So for me, I was like, well, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer in a year's time. If I've not given it a go, I'll probably be like, oh, maybe next year, maybe next year. Um, so I think it's a really good, I just think, like I'm not really the kind of person who likes to sit and reflect and write a journal and things like that. Yeah. But sometimes I just sit down and I'm like, right, key questions when I need to make a big decision is like, am I going to regret it in a year? Like, if not now, when and what, like what impact is that going to have on like the near future and the long-term future? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I think because we're all getting into this, it's not just like our lives anymore. I think it's the overall like ripple effect of how many people we can affect, how many people we could like feed or like in your case, like it's going to be flowers in a sec. Um, And yeah, it's just you're bringing beauty into the world by doing it. Like you anyway, like you can sit in that office another year or whatever he was doing. But yeah, you're going to make real, real change. And I feel like when you're on that path of doing your like your own energy is going into it life just flows with you so you're going to get 
things come left, right and centre that you just don't expect. Um, and I've got a few things happening at the minute that I just didn't ever, ever see that my life getting to that point. Um, so what's like your immediate plans for the project? Now you've got it. I've seen, I've only been following you a couple of weeks now, Shannon, but I've already seen like the, the change, the big change happen and the sheds in yeah. uh, on the field. I just want to talk about like the immediate project, like what's exciting you about it now? Yeah, so um, for the last 18 months, I was looking for, I've been saying 18 months for a while, it might be longer than that now. Um, <laughs> I, I was looking for some land to start a flower farm. I was babysitting, I had a eureka moment, I was like, I want to be a flower farmer. Um, and so I was looking for land and I went to see quite a few different options. Some of them were re- in really public places and they said that the problem with that would be that the crops get trashed or people just come and steal them, especially flowers. Um, I had some that were on like 45 degree slopes where you would have had to face the challenge of like working with that terrain and the water and things like that. Um, lots of no's and lots of people who just weren't overly keen in a young female trying to do something gardening orientated. Um, and then there was a lady from work who she actually told me about the the field probably at the very beginning of my search. And I decided it was too far and had never considered it. And then she asked me to just go and look at it. Um, we actually had a hen party book there because she's got glamping accommodation on there. <laughs> and so I was like, we might as well come because we're going to see it for the for the um, hen do anyway. And it would be good to kind of like plan out how we're going to do decorations and things like that. So I went down with my mum. And walked around and was like, oh, God, I think it's the one. And I'd not had that feeling with anything else. And I was like, it's far, but it's everything about it is perfect. Um, So that was maybe like two months ago, really recent, um, that we kind of made the decision that that was going to be the flower farm. Um, Built the shed over the last couple of weeks. There's been a wedding in between, so I feel a bit disorientated. And then we've got the polytunnel arrives in two or three weeks and 10 tonnes of compost arrives in a week. So we're going all no dig. I've planned out about 30, 10 metre by one metre beds, but there's no way that I'm going to be able to do that on my own. Um, But, you know, set your goals high and then come to a mid ground. (laughs) Um, I've got lots of the seeds on order or have arrived already. And so the next, like the next week of activity is I need to mow the lawn, <laughs> um, yeah. start sowing the hardy annuals because I'm a bit behind on biannuals and hardy annuals and then getting those beds out. So when my new wheelbarrow arrives, I will literally be shoveling compost 24-7. Definitely. And, and what I want to say is as well, you, I think now you've got like a decent following, lean on people wanting to help you because they mm. want they can say that. They, they can be at the start of a dream. Like I, for me, it was 2019, exactly when you said when it was kind of weren't still cool, but people looked at a muddy field in winter and was like, I ain't going there. Yeah. And much help at all. But then now people are like jumping at the bit to come because it looks the part. But if you can, if you've got some like local people that want to help, I would definitely put it out there because they can just say they were part of your journey. And I think that's the fun bit sometimes can chat Definitely. get some compost in the ground just be like yeah i made that bed and yeah you can put give it give it a name say that that's. well instagrammers if you want to come and visit the flower farm and shovel some compost i'll put on a picnic <laughs> drop me a message <laughs> shannon i'm coming down next weekend all right oh, fantastic <laughs> i'll be there <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I it's impossible not to smile while you're talking about this because it's genuinely so exciting um, and I think that a lot of people listening to this are kind of curious, are kind of like thinking, it's human nature, isn't it? You put yourself in that position and you're kind of thinking, oh, I'd love to do that one day. But something I'm always curious about from, the perspe- from your perspective as you go through this process, what barriers do you think are would be st- potentially stopping somebody from making this leap? Because if you don't mind me saying, you mentioned a few minutes ago about the fact that maybe like some people wouldn't be that keen about having a, a project done by a young female embarking on a project like this. Do you think there are barriers like that that would potentially stop people or be deterrents to people? 
Definitely. I think, like I said earlier, I think that a lot of the culture overall about gardening is changing. But um, I think that they're definitely the older generation. I hate to generalise, but older men in general, you definitely get a sense that they don't believe that you can do it, don't think you should be doing it and don't think you really have like the right to be doing it because you've not got the experience and you've not been through what they've been through in life and things like that. So I would say I don't come up against it super frequently but every time I do I'm a bit taken aback by the fact that it's like 2022 and we've still got people who think that they can dictate what young people can and can't do and things like that um I would say one of the places that I was most shocked by it was at Hampton Court Palace when I was there with my my own little vegetable garden um the amount of people that one were just in pure shock when they found out that the person who'd created it was a young female um and the there was maybe like two or three people that very much insinuated that um I had a rich husband who had done it for me and I was just taking the credit or that I needed to find a rich husband um (laughs) so that I could just tend to my plants without having to worry about anything in life and I was a bit I was just like trying to be polite but at the same time a bit like do you know what no one not no one you you don't have any faith in like what we can do but we're like a bit of a, a like I can't think of the word renegade generation who I feel like we're <laughs> the first people that are really just taking a chance and like throwing ourselves into things without too much of a safety net and I don't think that's a bad thing like yeah, just- no, no. I, I think people are like kind of sick of the like the society norms mm. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always a little bit like revolution, especially, especially with this, because I mean, we're, we're seeing the damage it does. We're seeing the problems with food, people getting sick. And then for me, like when I traveled and got into this eating real food on the farm, I was like, Oh my God, I've been lied to 24 years. My life was going. (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, just that, that kind of like that spark, that ignition, but like, the great thing about this growing space is us guys who are all like similar ages, we're like really championing each other. It's the one space. It's not like, Oh, I'm better than you. Or I'm trying to challenge you. What we love is the community around it. So we're all liking each other's pictures. We're all sharing each other's accounts. We're all going, Oh, look at, have you seen Shannon's tomatoes or have you seen her, like um, her show garden? Um, because ultimately it's just like, it's, it's either a goal or you're doing something slightly nuanced to someone else. And it will just, it, it, everyone's created like their own garden, their own way. No one is the same. Even if it, even if you follow no dig or permaculture, there's something nuanced that I'm like, Oh, that's such a good idea. Cause we're all experiencing something different and no one. And everyone's with- like fully rooting for each other. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. You barely ever come across someone who's not just buzzing. Like for what you're doing or what they're doing, and like everyone just thrives off each other. It's brilliant. So true, so true. That's why I was excited to uh, talk to you today as well, just because of that. So because like it is that extra person that you've like come across, and the fact you're doing a flower farm that's completely different to like what I'm doing, but on the same scale. So like a market garden, I'm doing veg and I've realized the power of the flower, but more the edible one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, it just made my garden look so much prettier. Um, and the fact that I could go to a chef with like this much veg. So just whoever's listening, like a big box and then you like a handful of flowers, but it's the same price. <laughs> yeah. Because these are a lot. love them. Yeah, they love them. They love them. Um, but so like that- you say we might be doing different things but there's so much we like I'm constantly learning from other people whether they're doing something similar something completely different like different principles even sometimes you just watch someone fail at something and you're like I remember not to do that and I think yeah. that that's what's great is people aren't afraid to be like do you know what this has gone really wrong and like this is what this is what I think why why do you think why and then everyone's kind of like sharing their knowledge and like we're on a journey together a hundred percent and like I think no one wants to see each other fail because it's like a fail for like not just you but like the greater good of mm-hmm. like just thinking oh I think 
ultimately we're adding pockets of beauty all around the country, around the world. So like if someone fails, it's just like, it's a bummer. Like it actually gets me down. So I feel like this, the support should be eventually financially, wherever that's coming from, um, government or whoever else, um, whoever's got money out there and wants to do some good. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) We're over here. We are absolutely delighted to tell you that the Food Grower podcast team have now launched the brilliant Food Grower Academy. We genuinely believe that growing your own food just got easier. Food Grower Academy is a complete set of resources for food growers of any size, from those that want to grow for them and their family, for local allotments or communities looking to feed themselves, to food growing businesses or small farms that want to feed the local area. It is a membership that provides in-depth, practical training and resources on all aspects of food growing plus the community support you need to achieve your food growing goals. Have a look at what the membership includes, find out whether it's for you and join us over at academy.foodgrower.co.uk. That's academy.foodgrower.co.uk. We are delighted to have partnered on the Food Grower podcast with React Tools. React Tools are the number one place for market gardening and growers tools in the UK. We have seen tools like the Jang Cedar, Paper Pot Transplanter, and the Iconoclast Tilther across the world and been envious of growers with access to them. Well, now you can get your hands on all of these and much more. All shipped free from the UK on any order over £100. Make your food growing easier and more efficient with the best market gardening tools on the market. Plus, with the partnership with us, the Food Grower Academy, we're now giving 5% of all purchases back as tools to new community or not-for-profit growing projects. Head over now to reagtools.co.uk. That's R-E-A-G tools.co.uk. But yeah, I just, before we go into the next question that me and Andrew have got like a list of, I do want to like keep focusing on your like new bit of land because it is super exciting. And I, like we've spoke about like the barriers of entry and things like that, but was there like, is there anything about the land that was different from the others in terms of like the sun or the grass or the soil that you thought, yes, I can work with this or yeah, that, that that's something I want to know. Cause that's something that I look at every garden job. Now I do. Um, yeah. So, well, the number one thing that stood out is it is just absolutely stunning. There's like forest um, around one side and then it kind of like the way that my shed faces, it looks, it faces south and it looks out just to this. It's kind of like sparse tree hedges, um, but you can just see really far into the countryside and into the farm. Um, so the views definitely stole my heart because I'm all about aesthetics. <laughs> um, and it was, they, they're doing a lot for like biodiversity and they're really trying to go back to kind of, um, like old school principles of looking after the land and really they, I think their values fit very much with my own. Um, the soil is pretty heavy clay, which is what I'm used to. So I was like, I do, I know how to work with that. Um, the land currently is actually covered in rushes. Um, so they have got like three or four fields that they've cleared and they've consistently mowed for just a few months and the rushes because of the competition, they've, they've just gone away really. Um, so at first I was a bit like, oh, there's rushes everywhere and they look pretty brutal, but we've literally cleared maybe four strips and within three or four weeks, it's turned into lush green grass and I'm over the moon. Um, so yeah, I think there was lots of things that obviously it faces South and the trees are to the north so the shadows right at the bottom of the field so not overly bothered about that um it's quite sheltered in terms of the fact that there is the trees there it's super secluded like you literally hear nothing you can't hear a road unless there's a tractor because the tractors are really loud which maybe happens once a week um super peaceful and the they've done lots of ditching around that particular field so that the water doesn't um like make the field boggy so they've already done quite a lot of improvements to it and then hopefully as my journey continues I'll improve it further but it's really hard with the land like I said before like the it was the only one that was actually flat which was a big yeah quite a big one for me because because it's just me and I don't have the money to buy all this machinery I was like if I'm hulking 10 tons of compost up a 45 degree hill I'm not going to make it through a day (laughs) But um, yeah, and obviously money-wise, 
I would say money's a big, big, big barrier to if you want to go and do your own thing because um, money makes the world go round, sadly. Um, so I quit my job, but I'm still freelancing because that's what's making me more money than any of my gardening activity. Um, and because I know the lady on the farm, she's done me a really good deal because she wants to support my journey. So like you said, we're finding other people on Instagram who are happy to help. I think if you can find a supportive landowner or something like that, it definitely breaks the barrier because I, I can afford to buy a piece of land or sometimes even the rent is insane if it's fertile soil. So it's not the easiest to find. It, the opportunities are out there. It is just finding them. It's just putting your, yeah, you're right. A landowner that is like, is nice. He's going to prob is understanding what you do, which I think is massive. Luckily mine does. And, she loves flowers and gardening herself. So just gave me such a leeway. So I do say to anyone, um, that's the, that's the one thing that mm. has, that is a huge barrier. Cause if you don't get them with your landowner, or they don't get what you're doing. I feel like you're just going to get a lot of pushback. If you want to do anything, if you want to extend it or, or, or have people come to your space, which I find I think super important. Cause if you go mm-hmm. down the line and like BBC want to come down, let's say, um, you need that. You need that allowance to be like, oh, the camera crew are going to turn up. Are you okay with that? Um, yeah, li- little nuances like that. Um, Definitely. And it was something we had to have as a conversation at the very beginning, where it was kind of like, these are all the ideas I potentially have. Like, are you opposed to any of them? Because there's certain ones that I'd be flexible on, and there's certain ones that are a big, big one for me. And if you were like, no, you can't ever have people down at the farm, I'd be like, well, it's probably not the space for me then, because it's really about bringing the community together and showing other people what you're doing and teaching them how to do it as well so it's kind of like a, a domino effect of what I'd like to do anyway yeah because I think it's fascinating because there's, there's so many things you've got to know at the start so it's always good to it sounds so similar to what I've done so it's great um right so going to the next question right you create an amazing show garden at the RHS Hampton Court. What tips would you give to anyone doing a project like that? Um, number one thing that I learned was don't be afraid to ask people for help. Um, I love doing stuff on my own because I'm a little bit of a control freak and I'm an avid planner and I don't like other people to ruin my plans. Um, with the show garden, I tried to do everything solo and it was a little bit crushing like had the most fun of my life but it was um quite a lot of stress I obviously grew all the nearly all of the um crops myself in pots on the allotment and but it was probably only about two three weeks before the show that I finally gave in and like people had been offering me help for months and I was like no no it's fine don't worry I don't want to inconvenience you um but when I finally started accepting everyone's help people were genuinely like dead excited to be a part of it and be involved and like support what 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 I was doing but it became what we were all doing and even like the visitors to the show were just super supportive and I think that we met so many people that like just like-minded people that were just buzzing about vegetables and there being a garden at the show that wasn't a traditional show garden and it was something that you could take home even if you only took home like a really small part and we're like oh I'm gonna into crop my plants like that or Mm. I'm going to build a little polytunnel out of plastic bottles it was like it's just really nice to bring everyone together but I think definitely asking for help was one of the things I learned with the show um planning definitely helps um but I think you've just you have to throw yourself fully into it and like be prepared for the fact that there'll be highs and lows because like I said it was probably the most fun I've ever had and like press day, the opening day was the, probably the best day of my life. And I absolutely loved it. But if you'd have asked me that 24 hours earlier on the Sunday, I was in tears while um, my sister was telling me to calm down. And I was like, I'm never, we're never going to get it finished. And then someone came and bought me an ice cream. And I probably could have cried at the fact that they bought me an ice cream. Um, but yeah, the highs and lows, but you have to kind of take it as it comes and just know that there there will be a light at the end of the tunnel it's always worth it um at the end in the middle as well it was a fun process but it's not till the end that you really look back and go oh do you know what it was really good fun doing this and this and this and 
yeah, the health and safety paperwork and the risk assessments and everything weren't great fun. <laughs> but um, they were just a small part of the overall journey. Did you find that when you were in the show environment that you forgot that the rest of the world existed? A hundred percent. We came home and we were like, what is this real world where we don't live off takeaways and where there's, we're not just flouncing around in pretty dresses every day. <laughs> yeah. There are, when you're in that kind of like show environment, there is such a divide, isn't there between yeah. build up and then what people see front facing forward facing. Mm-hmm. And especially at a show like that, which is quite a prestigious show. Um, everything looks so well presented, doesn't it? Um, and I always think if only the visitors could see what it looked like 72 hours before. Yeah. <laughs> and what all the people look like, because there's pe- you barely recognise them when they're out of their high vis and still take up boots and wearing nice clothes the next day. It's crazy. But it yeah, does I mean, feel I- like you, you go to a little island and you yeah. like go home to sleep from your little island and then you return back. And then it is like that nothing else in the world exists beyond the show that has absolutely no Wi-Fi whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, as you know, I've spent a lot of the te- last 10 years working at shows like that over a course of a weekend. And I've got to say, there is no buzz like it. You know, when there's an announcement, ladies and gentlemen, the show is now open and suddenly you see a load of new faces. And I've got to say, like, cause I, sadly, I didn't get to come to that show. I didn't get to see um, your show garden, but the feedback on social media, made me think that I was there because every time I turned on Instagram there was a picture of you and your show garden and it just it genuinely looked just amazing it really did look amazing um and it kind of leads into what me and Jack wanted to ask you as well but you know you're doing this incredible project you did the show garden and you've got an awesome podcast so what made you do that what what gave what what gave you the inspiration to to start a podcast? Um, I have always wanted to start a podcast since before I knew that I loved gardening, and I just didn't really know what I'd start one about. And then I was like, it's just going to be me like rambling away, just because I'm I'm just a chatty person. Um, I think I wasn't a very chatty child, and so I've like stored up all these words <laughs> that I just need to get out in later life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, <laughs> I'd always wanted to start a podcast, had no idea what about. And then I actually did TV and media training at work because I my job used to be in PR. And I'd begged them to let me do the TV and media training because it was a lot of like big guns in the company that were doing it. People who would deal with the crises if we went on radio or TV because someone had died. Um, and I got myself into the TV and media training and absolutely smashed it. And the woman was like, you would be really good for radio. And I was like, thank you so much. I've always wanted to start a podcast. She was like, you should do it. Um, and so that evening I went home and emailed um, Draper Tools, my first podcast sponsor, messaged the first six people that I was like, oh, these are the people I want on the podcast. And within about half an hour, everyone had said yes. And I was absolutely buzzing and had no idea what I was going to do because I didn't actually know anything about starting a podcast. Um, but it was it, basically, I wanted to talk to people about plants because I didn't really have any friends that were dead into plants. And it's great chatting over Instagram However, when you go on a podcast and chat for like a couple of hours, that's when you really get to know people and you like see a whole, everyone is exactly the same as they are on Instagram as they are on Zoom and in real life, everyone I've spoken to anyway. But there's just something so lovely about sitting down for the dedicated time slot to talk about gardening and nothing else. Mm. And then I made loads of friends, like genuine in real life friends who someone just invited me to their wedding the other day. And the first time I really spoke to him was on the podcast. So it's magic running a podcast. You you guys obviously know you run a fantastic podcast as well. Well, do you know what, Shannon? We were actually talking about this um, between between podcasts recently. That actually, it's quite a taboo subject, but actually running a growing business on your own or whatever, it, it can actually be a little bit lonely at times. Very and much. I'm very, very lucky because over the last few weeks I've been working quite a lot with uh, with Jack and with Chris so you know you have that kind of like camaraderie but the really cool thing about doing the podcast as you say is that you actually 
you kind of you get some friends that and they can't escape for 60 minutes because you, you've got them you know <laughs> yeah and you can ask them all the pressing questions that like I wouldn't just randomly dm someone being like can you please tell me exactly how your gardening journey started and what is this plant and why have you done this and why have you done that whereas on a <laughs> podcast it's absolutely fine because it's what you're there for definitely and, and you say a lot of time that goes over the allotted time. <laughs> goes, yeah. You just, yeah, you chin wag and, and that's it. It's an, I think you said outlet because that's what I would say, outlet to just literally unload about gardening and all the stuff that we love about it. And it probably saves our relationships as well. <laughs> I mean, my girlfriend ain't got time for me to be talking about <laughs> my my farm what I'm doing on it and and honestly like the first year I had the farm like she nearly broke up with me because I was so by the book of like I I was doing a lot of moon gardening as well so I was like nine o'clock at night sowing peppers because the moon was at a certain time anyway it was ridiculous so you just got to take it and then, yeah, just speak to your right people when you get time to on your podcast and, <laughs> and, and keep it for them and, and not your spouse. Well, that is true. And do you know what the amount of people that I've bored to tears with the gardening chat? And then I started the podcast and was like, don't worry, you'll all be free now because I've got other people to talk to. And then <laughs> all I talk about is what the people have told me on the podcast. So I'm like, <laughs> this has gone the complete other way because yeah. I just want to share all my new knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> well now you're like yeah i'm going by the way we're going to a wedding now and <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're going to be surrounded by planty people for the rest of our lives <laughs> great it's great we, we it, as we said earlier about the community of look once we're getting to know people one by one like now now i know you a lot more it's just like it, it's just you know that person so like you you champion them more Definitely. Uh, and that's what we found for sure and you become like fully invested in people's story, like yeah, yeah. whether they're making a cup of tea or that one of their chili peppers is like shriveled up and died. Like, I feel like the people I was spoken to on the podcast are the people that I like die. I'm diehard fans of now because I have that. It's like more personal connection. Defo, defo. Well, like talking about podcasts, like we've loved having you on here and um if there's a there's a few of us that if you ever need uh appearances on yours like we'd, we'd love to collab and that's the, that's the cool thing is the collaboration of podcasts what we said earlier about it's not like a battle of podcasts it's like no. the fact we can share ideas we can share like so much more and and i think like it's just giving more people like more listeners like more time to ingest stuff and we, we're teaching people in real time the fact that we can be in people's ears while they're at the allotment and they're learning and I've even always said like we've spoke about certain things like someone's favorite like when we get onto the quick fire questions someone's favorite tool or whatever and then they might have that tool and they might use it different while they're there and they're like, oh I didn't know that worked like that for example so that's what we love about it and that's what we're getting into next the quick fire questions. We like to end the show with five questions. One of them is like a bit of a, it has a little tally to it. So you need to get one answer to the other. You can't say both. Right. Um, so we're going to dive into it before we finish. And our first one is pretty standard is like, what's your favorite veg? Okay. So this is an easy one. Um, my Google Home has just gone off. Creepy. Uh, my favourite vegetable um, to grow and eat is homegrown sweet corn. I will be having it for dinner after this podcast because there's only a short window when the homegrown sweet corn is perfect, and that is now. Um, it is the most delicious thing I've ever grown in my allotment. And people who say they don't like sweet corn, you need to grow it before you say you don't like it, please. So true. Love it. And now, now I want some sweet corn. Mm, yeah, I'm I mean, buzzing for it. What is so? Quick fire question number two. What is the favorite your favorite tool that you use in your allotment or growing space? Mm, favorite tool. The, I'm going to go with the one that's immediately popped into my head. Um, is my hori hori because it's just a brilliant tool, great all-rounder. Um, I've taught the babies, my nephews who are three, to use the hori hori. And 
watching them carry it around safely is brilliant. Um, <laughs> use of everything, planting tulips, harvesting crops, cutting down branches. It's just, it's if, if I could just have one tool, I would have that one. Definitely get one. Yeah, that's definitely come out on top for sure mm. with a couple of people saying that and yeah, hundred percent. So next one is what's your favorite growing hack? One off the top of your head. Um, I'm going to say no dig purely because it is what everyone has asked me about this year. And this is the first year that I've converted my whole allotment, no dig. Um, and last year you could just see the difference and, I, like, I, I don't understand people who are still digging with spades and breaking their backs, digging into the soil. Um, so, yeah, I think if you do it right and start making your own compost, it's my first year making my own compost. No dig if you're getting started with a patch of grass, just go all out with it. Definitely. Is there a veg that you hate that everybody else loves? <laughs> I think there might be a few, um, but I have to pick one, right? will shock us go on <laughs> <sighs> don't know which one's the most shocking um, no we'll allow a couple with this one because it's the <laughs> next one that that's the uh, the decider okay um i'm gonna say aubergines because i just i don't know if it's just i don't know what to do with them the texture is like a sponge and I just, yep. I've tried to cook it in loads of different ways. And I, there's a plant in my greenhouse this year because someone gave it to me. But honestly, like, oh, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm um, with you on that. I'm 100% oh, really? with you on that. I cannot stand aubergine. No, <laughs> it's just not the one. Um, I know that everyone loves them and there's always a great glut, but courgettes as well. The only way I'll eat them is in cake. That's that's kind of fair, you know. I can't like I have them coming out my ears, yeah. and, I, and and they they sell really well. But mm. I'm always like, what to do with it? Like spiralize it, cake yeah. is the best way. But it is, and I've tried like pickling it and making like a cucumber salad type thing, but it just it's not. I feel like there's just so many other elite veg that you don't. I don't. I don't feel like I need that in my life. I'm Jack, all stop there because I can't think of anything else that's a shocking veg that I don't like. I'm not a super fussy eater. Are you guys worried that we're going to just offend all the different varieties of veg out there? Yeah, we're yeah. just going through them, yeah. Oh, I'll go with one more, actually. I don't like beetroot, and I grow loads of it, but I will only yeah. eat it if it's very specifically pickled in the way my mum pickles it, and if she personally does it, but I won't eat it in any other way. And people keep telling me, like, boil it, roast it, do this, do that. It just tastes like mud. It's like eating compost. <laughs> Not for um, me. We've offended a huge amount of people. Right <laughs> Sorry. Now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but the, the final question that normally splits the room is do you prefer a morning coffee at the allotment or an afternoon beer or wine? Um, can I be controversial and say a morning tea? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Tea. I think tea goes in the coffee category for sure. I'd go tea or an iced coffee from my favourite cafe that's around the corner from the allotment. Um, not a huge coffee drinker and not really a drinker overall, to be fair. So, yeah, yeah definitely the the morning tea. Yeah, this, you know, just think about walking around like your plot and just checking on stuff and, yeah, just got a drink in your hand. And there's it, something that's just super magical about sunrise. Like, don't very often catch it, but, like, you see a sunset all the time and they are magic. But if you're there for like a sunrise or like an early morning when the grass is all dewy and yeah, yeah. Like the vegetables just twinkle in a certain light. <laughs> <laughs> you painted a real good picture. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I love as well, if you catch it like spring autumn, like there's like mushrooms in the wood here mm. and, and, and like you don't get them. And if it's like nine, 10 o'clock, like they're gone. If it's like the super brittle, like ink caps and stuff, and you catch them in the morning, and there's something about it, because I feel like you're you've earned the sunrise, the sunset. Yes. You, you you you're gonna get it anyway. Um, so yeah, great answer for that, Shannon. Um, so that's the quick five questions. We're coming to the end now. I've, like the next question is like, what's next on the agenda for you? We kind of know because we've spoke about it, but like, what what is like the next thing you're gonna be doing exactly? like on the patch or um 
So obviously the farm is just one big long project. The winter will be dedicated to that. Um, I don't think I've mentioned it to anyone, but there is a new season of the podcast, which will start in a few weeks time. Um, And what I've been doing all day today, aside from building a shed in my garden from my old job, um, uh, we did a mini gardeners club, like a kids gardening club over the summer. And it was really successful, um, got such great feedback from it. And one of the kids signed up for an allotment with like after like the second session because they loved it so much, which is brilliant. Um, and we're looking to kind of hopefully take it to schools and like maybe start some gardening clubs. And there's so many schools in our local area that started forest schools maybe like three, four, five years ago. Someone was really into it back then and then they've just been left neglected. So we want to revamp those spaces and bring them back to life and kind of get kids growing so that they don't have to wait till they're 23, 24 to discover that they love gardening. (laughs) (laughs) They can find it at a bit of a younger age. So excited about the mini gardeners club. Um, That's what I'm going to be working on after this and for the next few days. So that's probably like one of my other exciting projects aside from the farm. I love that. That just sounds so exciting, especially catching people catching kids at such an early stage as well that's going to be so fulfilling um shannon i know that after listening to this people are going to want to find you online um i made that sound a bit sinister then didn't i where 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 can they find you on instagram um i'm at diary of the lady gardener um on instagram i think on facebook as well i don't really post to facebook as much but i'm there if you're only on facebook um and then the podcast is diaries of a lady gardener and we may or may not have a YouTube channel in the next month. Ooh. Maybe. Well, guys, as you, as you finish listening to this podcast, please, please use whatever podcast app that you're listening to us on. Um, go and search for Diaries of a Lady Gardener and make sure you check out the episode where Urban Herbs appeared on there because it's the best one, to be honest with you. It, it is. <laughs> Shannon, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for your time. Seriously, it's been really inspirational hearing what you're up to. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, pleasure to meet you, Shannon. Thanks you so too. much. Thank you so much for your time. Until, until next time, see you later. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you free by the Food Grower Academy. If you want to make your food growing easier, head over to academy.foodgrower.co.uk.